I was very available. And I know a lot of people now, they're less flexible with their clients. Like they have a lot of rules, they have a lot of policies. And I was just really flexible in the beginning. And if you came in and you said to me a day later, hey, my eyelashes look messed up on the ends or anything, even if I was busy all day, I just would say to them, okay, come back at some point, I'll squeeze you in or I'll stay an extra half hour even though I really didn't want to. And I'm sure most people, it seems like, don't really like to do that kind of stuff. I did it because I knew it would build some sort of friendship with these people and they would like me on a personal level, not just as their lash artist. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is a broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are excited to introduce you to Samantha DeVito. Samantha has her own salon called Lashing Now Beauty Studio in Amonk, New York. And in my opinion, she's just a kid. She's 24 years old. Now, I know we have listeners who are younger than that, and they're like, oh, she's old to me. But to me, she's like my daughter's age, okay? And it's exciting to have her come on the show and talk about her last journey. She's just like all of you guys, just another last artist trying to figure it out as she goes. And she's just really open and honest and shares about her journey she's been doing since she was in high school. And here she is many years later with her own business, her own salon with a staff. And she is just figuring out and learning as she goes. And she's here to share it with you guys. And hopefully for those of you who are in that same journey, this will be an encouragement with you that, you know, we don't have it all figured out, right? We sometimes just have to bumble our way through things till we kind of make it work. And that's how Samantha has at times done things. Also, she is here to help those of you who are maybe thinking you're not sure if you're ready. Well, you probably are. And you're probably ready to go out and try your own thing. And it's okay if it's difficult. It's okay if you mess up. Because in the end, it's all about the heart, right? If you just determine to make this work, you'll make it work. And Sam shares a lot of that stuff and tips and everything. So I think you'll get a lot from that. Anyhow, before we get into our interview with her, we do have announcements. What a shock. We have LashCon tickets, I believe. I actually am recording this a few weeks in advance. We may be out by now, but if we aren't, we're super close. I mean, at the time I recorded this, we're under 70, and so who knows? Maybe we only have 20 or 30 tickets left. Whatever it is, don't delay, and go to our website, uh, thelashconference.com, and see if there's tickets. If there is, buy it today. Do not wait. We are going to sell out, and it's going to be over 1,000 people, guys. It's going to be amazing. The swag bag is going to be well worth five, $600. And plus, if you're you know, VIP, you guys get a second swag bag. We have an amazing lineup of speakers, and we're just super, super excited and honored that so many of you are going to come out and hang out with us in November. So go look in the show notes for um, the link and go get your tickets today. Also, Tustin's class, Last Retention and Styling Course, those dates are finally out. August 6th and 7th, we're going to be in Indianapolis. August 27th, 28th in Las Vegas. We'll be in Washington. We're outside of Seattle area, about an hour out of Seattle on October 15th, 16th. Boston in November 19th, 20th, and back here in Los Angeles in our hometown on December 3rd and 4th. So go to the show notes there, and you can find links to all those tickets and buy it today because those are limited. We don't have endless amount of tickets, so uh, we'd love to see you come to one of our classes in the summer and fall, and hopefully we'll see you there. Um, What else do we have going on? Oh, I want to do a thank you. 
because this is coming out right after, most likely, our party in Vegas at IBS. And there were some brands I didn't mention earlier in one of our other podcasts who I definitely want to say thank you because without them, you would not get the cool swag bag that we had for everyone or for the first 100 people that showed up. We want to say thank you to My Brand Lashes, My Lamination, Prolong, Ruthie Bell, Sinful Lashes, The Lash and Brow Academy, The Lash Co., The Lash Ritual, Volume Lashes Co., and Fangirl Society. All these companies donated to our swag bag, and I think most of them are actually coming or came to the party too. And if you did, you know, if you missed the party, hey, you know what? You have another chance. Come to LashCon, because that's even the bigger party. This party was huge, and it was fun. It was a blast. Speaking, uh, I, I, <laughs> this is like shot or being recorded early June, but I'm assuming it all was great. And you'll watch it like the hotel burnt down or something. But uh, well, I guess I'll come back and re-edit at that point. Anyhow, that all said, it was a blast. We had a good time. And thank you for all our amazing sponsors who came out and made it possible because they really did give a lot to make this party a reality. All right, so that's all our announcements, guys. Thank you for um, always being part of us and supporting us and buying these things because this is what allows us to do this podcast twice a week, by the way, as you know, and give away all this content for free because we love you guys and want to help, but we do have to pay the bills and you coming to our trainings and LashCon and all the other stuff we do actually is what makes this all a reality. So thank you to all those of you who support us so much. All right, guys, well, we're going to now let's move to the next part where we sit down with Sam and really talk all about her last journey. Hey guys, we are here in the Lashcast studios. Excited as always to be with you. Welcome to the show, Tuss. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm like awesome. Very cool. It's like Valley Girl today. Valley Girl, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm yeah. so excited to talk to our new guest. Yeah, we are too. And I want to say that what's cool about this guest is that she just reached out to me out of the blue and just said, hey, here's my story. And I liked it. And I said, no, we should have her on the show. And I just want to encourage anyone who's currently listening right now that do not think you shouldn't be on the show or you can't be on the show just because, I don't know, whatever excuse comes to your head. You never know. You just have to reach out and say hi, and you never know. Well, here's what I just said. I tell my kids all the time that asking is free. That's right. Trying on is free. Try it out. Yeah, so just give us a try. Out reach there. out. Say, hey, Paul, I'd like to be on the show. Tell me why. What's going on with your story? And hey, who knows? Maybe you'll be on here one day, too. But I think a lot of our guests are going to be able to identify with her. Mm-hmm. And I think she's got a lot of good things to say. So. Yeah, she's been in business not for 20 years, but for a while now and has her own business. Her name is Sam. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like I'm on like a, a radio show here. It feels so weird to actually see you guys <laughs> doing this podcast. We can see your lovely face because yeah, but, we've got the Zoom thing here going. But no one else can. It's, it's just right. our gift. We get to hang out with you. But no, it's really cool to have you on the show. And like I said earlier, she, Sam really just out of the blue reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like to be on your show. And she, I wrote up a paragraph or actually long paragraph. <laughs> yeah, just breaking it all down. And I listened, I read it, I listened to it. I can listen to reading now. That's a real superpower I have. Mm. Um, and basically I was like, this is cool. I really want to have her on and we'll unpack it. There's a lot of things that where she's more recently gone through things that I think a lot of you who are either launching or think about launching will be also thinking about or struggling. And so we'll just unpack it and hear all about that. So Sam, for you, obviously no one knows, but she's young. She's, I think you said you're 24, right? Yeah. Do people ever say, are you related to Jenny DeVito? Oh my God. I used to have this man. It was a FedEx delivery person. And it was the same guy. He was really nice. Every time he would come in, he'd say, do you know Danny DeVito? And I would go, 
No. Yes, we have to laugh every single time. He can't. <laughs> so funny. You should just say yes. Yes, yeah. he's my dad. He's I my should- uncle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyhow, um, what's cool about Sam is that she has her own business, but she started early, like really early. And as far as, and maybe you could first unpack a little bit, like what started for you in high school. I know a lot of people don't gain into beauty till later, but you said you, you had, had a jump start. Yeah, you had a little pro- a program you had like that a you turbo pass. Yeah, <laughs> a turbo pass. Yes, you had a turbo pass. As in case you didn't know. So, can you tell us about it? When I was in high school, I always wanted to do makeup from maybe even like 14. I was doing people's makeup. I was even doing the older girls' makeup for proms. And maybe I wasn't the best, but for some reason, I felt confident doing it. And I just wanted to keep doing it. And I didn't want to do hair or anything like that. So I had this program that was at my school. So what they would do is when you were a junior and senior, you would go to this place called BOCES. I don't remember what it stands for, but <laughs> it's the grade school. And if you can go as an adult too, but you'd have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But during school, it was completely free. So if I went to one of the regular cosmetology schools, it would probably be like $20,000 or more. Wow. But this place was completely free. You only had to pay for books, which was maybe $500. And I decided to take advantage of it. So I went for junior year and senior year. And that was the whole cosmetology program. And I was learning mostly hair and things that people don't do, like the finger waves and roller sets Mm -hmm. and things like that. (laughs) What sets? (laughs) Yeah, all of that. Yeah, that's what they were showing us, like just to pass the state board, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do hair. I'm just going to stick to makeup. Maybe I could build something out of that. And while I was at this program in, I think it was my second year, this girl, her name is Ginny Ann. I'm still friends with her. And she came in to do a demonstration. She did the whole presentation on lashes. She owns a spa near here. And she worked with, at the time, um, Lash Affair. But now she works with Bella Lash and she teaches. So she said, if anyone wants to come to my class, I can give you a paper. You can fill out some information and get my number and we can talk. So I was like, oh, my God, I have to take this class. And I really didn't know anything about lashes at all. So that was what I had to do. And nobody else signed up for it out of like 50 girls, which was weird. You're kidding. You're the only star. You had the vision. You did. I don't anybody wanted to do it. I think all of the girls were more into hair, but I wanted to do lashes because it kind of related with the makeup. Totally. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was the right path. And for you, what was interesting, as you shared with me earlier or on in letters, that you asked for a very different birthday gift, right? Like normally yeah. people, I don't know, like 18 is a big birthday, but you decided to forego a new car. And yep. what did you get instead? Well, what I did was we had my birthday is June 25th. So we had a birthday graduation combo oh. and I had this really old car it actually was haunted that's a whole other story but there was like (laughs) in the car okay i wanted to get rid of it i didn't want this creepy car it had so i was like i have to get rid of it my parents wanted me to get a new car and then what i ended up doing was i took all the money from the birthday and graduation and i paid for the lash class because it was like twelve hundred dollars something like that and that was what i ended up getting around that amount yeah so i said 
what? I'm calling the girl. And I called her right away and I went for the class. That's awesome. So you're- I'm so proud of you. That takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes a lot of on-purposeness to to be like, I'm going to invest this amount of money, especially at that age. It's such a large sum to say, I'm going to invest this in myself. Often, most people, when you get a large sum, they say, I earned this. I should get a car. I should go on vacation. I should get... Uh, something really fun for me, but instead, I mean, I mean, I guess going to learn lashes can be fun, but education probably is not usually at the top of that list. It sounds like <laughs> she just had a longer view, a different view for what was important. Can you talk a little bit about that? The whole reason why I decided to do that was because I felt like I had that whole free education basically. And I needed to do something more. I wasn't going to college. I wasn't doing any of that. That was my going to be my career. But my dad is a very, very hard worker. He always had his own business. He was working like, you know, multiple jobs, just someone who was like very into what they do. Mm -hmm. So I always learned like, okay, I should work really hard and be successful. So that's why I wanted to do it. But when I took that first class, I did feel like, oh my God, did I just waste all this money? Because I am right now. So Sam, how old were you at that time? I had just turned 18 when I took it. Cool. So I've been here for a little bit now. So when you take this class, you didn't feel like you're ready right out the gate at that point to go do lashes. I mean, obviously you took two years to learn cosmetology, but then you take a two-day two course, was it? Like the typical training? Yeah, or? it was a day and a half. Yeah. And my second model didn't show up. Oh. So it wasn't good enough. Oh no. So you didn't feel like, okay, I can tomorrow go and be a lash no. artist, right? So what was your next step then? So my next step was I was still living at home with my parents and I wanted to, basically, I wanted to lash anybody who could possibly let me. So I was not feeling confident, but what I always tell everyone and I tell the girl that works for me too, I'm like, fake it till you make it because I basically just pretended that everything was going to be great. It was going to work out. And at the time, maybe because I didn't know too many people who did lashes, I felt like, oh, this looks really good. And then you start to meet other people who do it. And you're like, oh, it's not so great. But <laughs> over time, you see your progress. So I always save pictures. And I tell other people to do this too. I save pictures from the beginning. And then I'm still doing some of those clients from seven years ago. So I look back and see, and I'm like, oh, I improved here. And that, like you can see the difference. That's key. When you said fake it till you make it, what's happening in your mind is that I'm going to do this and I'm going to be able to handle any mistakes that come up because I'm just going to adapt to it. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then you say to yourself, I'm just going to continue to do my best. And knowing that every person that you're doing is experienced for you and having the ability to reflect upon your old pictures. I mean, that you've just laid out the blueprint for what learning is. And that's how you did it. I mean, you were ruthless in the beginnings. I remember taking pictures, taking notes, watching patterns, watching how things returned. I remember the old days, like you were like this mad scientist, always tracking everything it's just true. to make sure that you were growing. You know, but running. in the beginning, it wasn't always like that. And I want to clue into one thing that you said, Sam, which I thought was right on, is like in the beginning, you really don't know any better. And you think, hey, this looks good to me. The client has never had experience with lashes. In truth, any volume, even if it's going the wrong way, it still still looks better. It better still looks good to her, right? <laughs> right. I remember my first days, I'd be like, I'd do lashes, I'd do set, and then I'd see the person socially like a couple days later, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, they don't look as good as I thought they did, you know? And I realized, okay, there's something I'm missing here. But it was, it's just that sense of 
wide-eyed wonder that like I'm going to do this. This looks good to me. But being able to have that humility to say, well, how can I learn from this? How can I continue to be better? But I really want to clue into that part of you that said, hey, this looks pretty good. What was that in you that kept saying, just keep doing it? it because I know that it wasn't easy for you. What made you keep pressing forward? Well, I knew that I I wanted my own business one day and I knew that I wanted to pursue this because I liked how it looked, you know, on other people. And I liked that each time I was doing it, I was getting a little bit better, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't a big change, but I saw some sort of progress being made. So that was why I kept doing it. And then I think because lashes or like anything like nails, people come back every two to three weeks. So if they were coming back, I felt like, oh, they really like it. They're happy. Even if I was like what you said, like you would see people out and say, oh my God, why do they look like that? I know, that looks so bad. (laughs) So when I would see them, I would feel, oh, well, they want to come back to me. They must like me. They must like what I'm doing and I'm making progress. So these people are just going to grow with me. Yeah. And there were some people who didn't like it, but there was a lot that did too. Yeah, and you find your tribe. You find the people that you connect and who you work with and all that. And- when you first started, you know, let's say you you took your class and you started working, were you charging people or were you just doing free work or was it a combination of all that? I think in the beginning, I did all my friends for free. And then I believe I was doing $50 for it. Okay. So it kind of covered like product and a little bit of time. Did you have a location or did you go to people's homes? No, I was doing it in my parents' living room. <laughs> it was so weird. So I was doing it there in their living room. And then I moved out on my own. So I was working in in, uh, a couple salons at the Mm -hmm. same time. None of them wanted me to do lashes at them. Okay. So (laughs) they're like, no, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So I I moved on from that and I was working somewhere else and I was able to move out on my own. So I had an apartment and I was living with my fiance and he, he was there. My dog was there. I'm like, you guys have to leave. I had people coming in. It was just not the luxury service that I'm giving now. It definitely was. But you know what? You found a way to do it and you made do with what you had. I mean, that go get them attitude is rare and it's what sets you apart. And it's what I hope our listeners can clue in on. Like no matter what your challenges are, if you keep saying yes, it's going to happen for you. Yeah. You just find a way. I mean, everyone has excuses why you can't do it. Like, oh, I don't have my own place or I don't have this. You know what? You just make it up and go. I mean, Tuss, for her first three months, I think, traveled around to people's homes and did lashes. I would literally drive with her in the car, and I would get out and take the bed, and I would take the bed up. She had a a portable bed, and I would take it into the place. I would bring all these. She actually did facials, too. So we'd bring the steamer. We'd bring all of these things into the house. I used to go to people's houses, too. I'm really short, and I'm like a small person. (laughs) I couldn't carry the bed, and I didn't have someone (laughs) Like you to drive around. So I was just carrying the bed and I was breaking my arm. I'd ask people's husbands to come out and carry the bed in. So that's why I moved from that to the living room. Yeah, it's it's not easy way to go travel. I think after about two months, I, I told Tess, like, I was working for myself so I could work anywhere. I just would go to a coffee shop and wait for her. But I was like, this is not going to work. We let let we me tell you, when I first decided, <laughs> so funny. when I first decided to do this, okay, this is in the dark ages. This is when people 2005, did, 2006. Yeah, this is when people did not even know what lash extensions were. I was selling my services as I, a mobile facialist. And the chair that I had was this it was a lounge it's chair. like a lounge chair that I got at Costco or something <laughs> that you would like put that. Put out on your backyard. Yeah, it's like a chase lounge. Chase okay. lounge. 
literally, I didn't have very much product at all. In fact, I remember crushing up these papaya tablets that you could like for the enzyme and mixing it in with the lotion. And I'm putting it on my friend's skin and she kind of was a hoarder. So she had me come to her office and like there's boxes everywhere. And I, I just created this tiny little path. This is with this chase lounge chair that didn't fit anywhere. And I'm like steaming her with this these crushed up pills on her face. And and I'm just like saying to myself, what are you doing? People would look at you and be like, oh my God. But I just said, keep going. Just keep saying yes. Just keep doing it. And I mean, that was like one of my very first times. And it's just like, you look back and you laugh. There there was weird people that would come to the house. And that's when I decided (laughs) that I couldn't do it at my house anymore because I had someone who wasn't someone I knew at that point. It was like a friend of a friend of whoever. And she started telling me that she had a husband, a boyfriend, that she was on drugs. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, get out of my house. I'm scared. Your like, dealer's no, going to stop by later by I the know. house and drop off some stuff. Like drive by. Now she doesn't do this like- anymore. Yeah. Now, for you, I remember you saying that you um, had two jobs. So while <laughs> doing this, while also taking more trainings, right? So you yeah. decided one wasn't enough and learning on your own was enough. So you went out and got some more. How many different trains did you go and continue and over what period of time? I think I have 20. Oh my gosh. Wow. Are yeah. you kidding? <laughs> 20. But the reason behind it, I want to be able to do whatever anybody asks. Even there, a lot of them are things I don't actually do. Like that maybe I found like an online course, things like that, yeah. because if I get a new client or if there's a new trend and someone says to me, Oh, I want, like, I, I know how to do um brow lamination. I very rarely get anyone who wants that. But last week I had two people ask for it. So it was good. I knew how, because I had the product and I had the certification. I don't normally get that, but I want to be able to be available. You want to be able to say yes. Yeah. Well, I took that class, the one with the designer lashes, you know, how you can do the, the strip with the magnet lashes. I yeah. did that whole class because what if there was some sort of pandemic again and people yeah. couldn't come? So I don't normally make them, but if someone's allergic, sometimes I offer it to them. If they can't get them, if they have an issue or they don't want them, I can do that. That's great. That's really cool. That's the allergy one. (laughs) Your allergy. Yay, there you go. Yes. And we're going to be launching that again soon here probably next week. 20 is amazing. I think that might be a record. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone do 20. What would you say is your uh, favorite? I won't say what your least favorite is because that's probably not nice, but we'll say of all the trainings you've taken, who out there, do you want to give a shout out to anyone and say, ah, these trainings were really good? I love Nova Lash. That's okay. my favorite. And a lot of people don't use them. Mm-hmm. I just really, really like their glue. I don't use their lashes that often. I usually use Lashbox or Live Bay, mm-hmm. but I really, really like Nova Lash and I loved their training. And the girl that works for me just took theirs and she really liked it too. Oh, good. Oh, shout out to Nova. Actually, they're one of the yeah. OGs. They were mm. back yeah. way back in 2005. They were I was around. using Nova Lash Glue at the time. I thought it was the best. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. It's different than other ones, too. It's really thick mm-hmm. compared to other glues. And I've tried to switch a couple times just to test something out. And I can't do it. I'm just used to the thicker glue. I love a thicker glue. I love one that has more viscosity to it. I've switched to Lash Bomb, the green bottle, Bomb Diggity. So it is a little bit more thick. And as it goes along, it can get a little thicker. But Jill of Lash Bomb has uh, what she calls her secret sauce. And it's basically... Oh, yeah. I was going to ask. 
Yes, yeah. she's got her green cap glue, which is the bomb digging, which I've used for over a decade. And then you put a little drop of the clear in the middle. And no matter what's going on in the room, the humidity, it always just makes this perfect mixture. And it's amazing. So you might want to give that a try, especially if you I like it. I'm going to be ordering glue. after we're done. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Actually, I want to know one of the things when you decided to go to these salons and were, when you were there, were you working as a hairstylist or makeup Every- artist? Just anything that they could do. So get. I worked in, it started with one while I was in high school. It was a brand new salon. The first one, it was only one of them. They had just opened it and I was an assistant and the lady was very nice. I liked her a lot, but it was more than what I was looking for. It seemed like a little more of like a personal assistant oh, a little bit, Okay, but she was really good. She helped me with a lot. Like I learned a lot about hair. I did makeup there. I definitely learned a lot. And I had approached her about doing lashes and it wasn't her fault. She just didn't have the room and there was nothing she could really, like she couldn't build it out. Like she didn't really know what else to do. So she wasn't Um, like she didn't like lashes. It's like, no, she just didn't know how to offer it at the salon. Got it. And then I worked at another one while I was still working for her. So I worked for her during my senior year of high school and then like a little bit after And then I was working for another place at the same time, which was a totally different type of salon. So it was like very high end. It was an older man who owned it. Mm -hmm. And it was like a luxury kind of nice salon. But the clientele was very old. Like they were probably. My age. No, they were probably (laughs) nine. Okay. I mean, wet sets and uh, a lot of blue hair. Yeah. Silver hair. So. He was going to let me do the lashes. He had a big room that my friend worked with me also, and she did facials. And I said, can we share the room and we'll take turns? I'll do lashes. She does the facials. And he said, oh, of course, no problem. He's like, we can get whatever you need. I said, okay, great. So how is my pay going to be doing that since it's a lot more work and more time? Because I was probably getting paid maybe $10 an hour or something Mm -hmm. like that. And he said, oh, you're just going to make the same as what you are now. It doesn't change. I said, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. (laughs) So I got so nervous because I didn't want to cause an issue there. I didn't know what to do. So I just said, I went around to the other girls. I said, what should I do? And they said, never mention it again to him. So I said, (laughs) 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 I didn't know what to do. So then I asked the girl, her name is Ginny Ann, this girl in the beginning who taught me lashes the first class. And I said, can I come work for you? And she said, well, I don't have the room. At the time, she had a lot of girls working for her. And she said, well, I don't have the space for you, but I know someone who owns a blow dry bar and you can do makeup there. She has multiple locations. So I said, okay, that sounds good to me. So I started doing blowouts and makeup for this salon. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it was really good. I worked there about five years, convinced the owner that I was ready to have a salon, but I personally I couldn't afford to do. I wasn't ready to have it by myself. But if she wanted me to be a manager, we can open a lash bar. And I was planning originally, I thought we would be partners. I thought that we would have this thing. And I thought I was going to work there for the rest of my life. I really liked it. Yeah. But then I started doing the lashes. So I slowly backed away from the hair and makeup. So her place was like down the road from the blow dry salon. So what I would do is I cut back one day from hair first. Mm. And then I would only book people, let's say it was Tuesday on Tuesdays. And then once I was so busy on Tuesdays, I couldn't take anyone else. Then we opened up Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I was there Tuesday through Saturday. And I was there a total of three years. So Mm -hmm. it was five years total for the same person 
two yeah. doing makeup, three doing lashes. Mm-hmm. And what was, I thought a struggle, but now looking back, it it helped me. The owner was a little non-existent. Like she traveled a lot. She was a flight attendant. She just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I did everything on my own. I made all the phone calls if something broke. I ordered all the products, any client complaints I took care of. Anything you could possibly think of besides paying the bills, I was doing. So I learned pretty much everything by just being anxious and scared every day there. (laughs) And I, where I am, it's a very high end, rich clientele. Mm -hmm. So people can be difficult. Yeah, for sure. Used to it at this point. I know what people like. I know their personalities. And that was the last job I had before going off on my own. Can I just interject real quick? Because one of the things that I've noticed in your story is that, so with this non-existent owner, it allowed you to step into a place of leadership. And when something went wrong, you said, I'm going to fix it. Customer, client has a complaint. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to step into that gap and I'm going to handle it. Even if I don't feel like I possess the answers, I'm going to figure it out. And that's a key component to success is being able to say yes in that moment. Might not know how to solve it, but you're going to figure it out. And so I just want to point that out that I see that in you. And that's something that I think could really serve all of our listeners is that even if you don't know how to handle something, even if you don't have the answer, if you just step in that gap and say, I'm going to be the one to figure it out for you, not only will it help your business, it helps your character because you probably got that from your your dad looking at him and saying, you know, he's such a hard worker. But it seems to be in your DNA that even if you don't have it all put out together, you're going to figure it out. So kudos to you. Thank you. That's honestly what I was trying to do. And because I was alone there for most of the time I worked there, that was the only way to figure it out. Plus, nobody in all of her other salons did lashes. So even if someone complained, I couldn't call up whoever and say, I'm not sure what to do. This client has an issue because they didn't really know either. And that wasn't their fault. They just didn't know how to do them. So there was nothing that they can do to help me. So can I ask, what did you do in those moments? Did you tell the client, come on back and we're going to figure it out? Yep. Everything has just come back. And the way that I built the clientele there, because there was nobody that was getting lashes done at that time in those salons since they didn't offer it, was I was very available. And I know a lot of people now, they're less flexible with their clients. Like they have a lot of rules, they have a lot of policies. And I know that that's a good thing to have, but I was just really flexible in the beginning. And if you came in and you said to me a day later, Hey, my eyelashes look messed up on the ends or anything. I would just, even if I was busy all day, I just would say to them, okay, come back at some point. I'll squeeze you in, or I'll stay an extra half hour even though I really didn't want to, and I'm sure most people, it seems like, don't really like to do that kind of stuff. I only did it because I knew it would build some sort of friendship with these people and they would like me on a personal level, not just as their lash artist. No, I think that's huge because I think too often our industry jumps to a career that's five years down the road versus the beginning where most people, when they're first starting, We always tell people, just be available, just say yes, just do whatever. You might not have the answer, but just have them back and put more lashes on. Listen, more lashes covers a multitude of sins. But it's not just that. I'm talking about just like you did. You were totally able to, you would go in at 10 o'clock at night if you had to make a client happy. Because when you're starting, it's not the time to be like, I only work Monday to Thursday from, you know, 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. 
that kind of restrictive life, which I know you need to have boundaries, but when you're starting and you're just trying to get clients in, you have to be available. You have to be willing to put a little sweat equity into it. And then once you get busy, you can start putting the boundaries and say, okay, I don't work weekends. I don't work past nine or eight, you know, and all that. But she also said something very interesting. And this is also what I did when I first started. She knew that they would like her on a personal level. And she, you know, so in the beginning, I really relied on my personality and my personal connection with people. Maybe the lashes weren't eh, so-so, but they came back for the relationship that we had, the encouragement that I gave. That's what I'm trying. And that's how built all, all of these people. Yeah. I also moved my salon twice since opening. And I think that's what made some people stay because I moved a little bit farther away before coming back to this area. And all of those people came and I'm sure they could have found someone closer, but I think they really liked me too, because we had some sort of relationship. Yes. You know, I know their birthdays. I know, like I would write things down like that. That's something I tell everybody who ever asked me about like, you know, building a clientele is that I would, if I, I have good memory, but if I did, you know, if I don't know something, I write it down and I try to remember like, oh, so-and-so went to a wedding last time she was coming in. Let me ask her how it went or how did her dress look and things like that, Mm -hmm. just to make people feel like we were friends. And I did build friendships with a lot of them. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is, is just being reliable and responsible. In yeah. the in the beginning, it really is you can really grow your business through the power of your personality. And then as you continue to grow, it becomes less that. I mean, you can you can absolutely show that and ha- build that with your clients. But as you develop in skills, you don't need to as much. But that's a wonderful, wonderful trick. <laughs> Strategy, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Now for you, you transitioned from working with this colleague and you decided not to partner with her. What was the impetus for you to go and start your own business? And when did you start that? I started like a year and a half ago about. So COVID was in full play and and all that. It was in the middle of all of it. So what happened was, is there was a lot of little things that were changing there that just weren't what I was expecting for myself. Um, It wasn't something, this huge blow up or anything like that. It was just little things building up, building up, building up. And then I started to realize that her vision, my boss's vision and mine weren't the same anymore. So I didn't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. There was no partnership or anything. So I had asked her if I could buy it from her and she just, that's fine. You know, she didn't want to do that. And then I started to realize that I just wasn't happy anymore. And I was really anxious and upset going to work every day. I was having like a lot of stomach problems. I was just always anxious about going to work. And then one day I started really thinking it over and I said, I think I want to leave. So I started looking into a bunch of different places. There was nothing that I could afford at the time in the area just because it was an expensive area. It's actually where I am now. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do. And I also didn't, even though I didn't have a non-compete or anything, I didn't want to go around the corner right away. I didn't want to have an issue. So I found a place in White Plains, which is like 20 minutes from here. Mm -hmm. So I found a salon suite, actually. It's the company, My Salon Suite. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try this out. And I started asking my clients. I was like, listen, if I was to leave, would you be willing to come with me? And everyone said, yes, they were fine. I said, is that too far? And they were like, for you, no. So that's that's what Mm -hmm. I meant. Like they were friends with me at that point. So I said, okay. So I called, I asked if they had a space and they had one left in the place. And most of them were for hairstylists. Mm -hmm. And this one happened to be for an esthetician, like, which meant it didn't have a sink. Yeah. 
So I said, oh my God, I feel like this is meant to be. I have to take the opportunity. And I was so afraid. I don't think that I've ever been so afraid of something in my entire life because I was so comfortable at this other place. So I signed the lease on a, I want to, I'm thinking back. I signed the lease on a Friday. I quit the next day on a Saturday and started the next Friday. Oh, wow. Like, so I did a few days later, I started a place and I was booked, but it was only because I made those sacrifices before and built the friendship and relationship with them. Otherwise, I really don't think that those people would have came. Yeah. Now, how did it end with the uh, salon? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't good. I think no matter what, when you leave a place like that, it's not good. But what I ended up doing was I didn't want to have an argument with her. So I don't know if this was the right way to do things or not, but I could tell people in case they would like to mm-hmm. know how to leave. I sent her an email because we always would email. And I sent her like a detailed list of all the reasons why I had wanted to leave and why I didn't feel like we were a good fit anymore. And when we talked, I mean, who knows? She might say things about me. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see her, but it seemed like we had a good understanding and we were okay. So in this letter where you explained everything, did she respond like uh, validate your points? She called me and she said it was more of like, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. I told her that I didn't give a notice because I know, I'm sure you know with salons, when you give a notice, it just has so much drama in those two weeks before you leave. Mm -hmm. So I told her, honestly, in order for us not to have an an argument or anything, I told her I left all of my stuff at the salon and it seemed like we were okay. So Good, good, good. Was there a discussion about the clients? Was she um, upset that some of the clients left with you? She actually told me, she said, did you tell your clients? I said, I'm assuming they know. And I said, some of them do, but I didn't tell a lot of people. I asked my core people Mm -hmm. that, you know, I've had from the beginning, but I really didn't go broadcasting things. Mm -hmm. It was more of just, I posted on Instagram and if they reached out, they reached out. That's that's really responsible. Best as possible. You're the only lash artist. It's not like she has anyone that she could turn them over to. If she had like a room of like 18 other lash artists and be like, Hey, someone leaves. They're going to be like, well, those are our clients. But in this case, they're obviously. She knew that they were following me at that point. It seemed like everything was okay. As good as it could. Yeah. So for you, um, you finally take this big leap a year and a half ago amidst a crazy time. It's COVID, right? It's not exactly the most stable, predictable season of life. And you're in New York and New York definitely had a little bit more. I mean, you're not in, I guess, New York city proper, you're in upstate mm-hmm. where life was a little bit more free. I know like New York is a lot like California where we are. You guys had a lot yep. more shutdowns, restrictions and all that. So it was very risky for you. What was it that kind of drove you to say, you know what? I, I believe in myself. I can do this because that would be a lot of time. A lot of people say, I'm not going to take those chances. I'm going to just kind of ride it out. Wait till the, the smoke clears and things are a little bit more predictable. Well, I felt like I went through my clients and I saw how many consistent people I have. And I just kept saying to myself, okay, if these people come and I spoke to the main people that I really wanted to follow me. And I was like, well, if they come, that's enough to cover my rent. So as long as I can cover the rent and buy my supplies, that's good enough for me. And then I'll keep building. Okay. When I left, I went to this totally different location, like a different area. I was able to build because it was a salon suite. I would recommend that to anybody. Um, I'm not in one anymore, but mm. that was how I got new people that weren't from the old salon. Oh, okay. Cause other people would see you in there, right? Yeah. Cause it was all hairstylists, right? So they see a lash place and they'd probably be intrigued. 
Mm-hmm. I was the only one. Oh, that's good. And that obviously wasn't so much planned, but very fortuitous. Just kind of worked out. Finding a location where you can be seen, obviously, um, I think working in a hair salon, I've seen this where people are like, yeah, I was the only last stylist at a hair salon. I was the only this. If you can be have that kind of unique selling proposition, right, where you're the only one, yeah. I think you're going to find uh, you can build your business a lot quicker. That sounds great. That's really smart. For you with building this, what were some of your struggles initially? Obviously, you got set up in a week, so it was a very fast turnaround. Like, What type of uh, struggles were you facing when you first got going? There was a bunch, honestly. I really didn't know how to do anything. And at first, I wasn't using an accountant, which I do now and everyone should just do. Because I was trying to do like the LLC and all these things. And I was using like websites to do it. Mm -hmm. And then I was realizing that I wasn't doing anything right. Like it just didn't look right. I wasn't getting the right tax ID number and things Mm. like that. So when I did end up going to someone, he was like, what the heck is this? Like, this isn't right. Like you... (laughs) thousand dollars for something that I'm going to have to redo. Oh no. We did that too. I did that. That was a big mistake and challenge. I did not know how to do that. So I feel like everyone should just go to an accountant, someone that they've heard reviews about, because I think that's just the best way to go. Yeah, you know, getting a CPA, someone who knows that world, Tusk did the same thing. She set up the oh wrong business. Oh, my gosh. And- I set up the wrong business. I opened, like, multiple accounts for, like, <laughs> yeah. POS systems and banking and completely just, And you people know, think- took advantage of her because they knew she didn't know anything, so they would charge her for things and overcharge and all and that And I'd stuff. be like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was signing up for things I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize what I was doing. Yeah. And I was doing it so fast. Yeah, yeah, because you had no time. You were just like, I got to get going. I have to make money. So for you, going back, finding that CPA, someone who's in the financial side of things who could have helped walk you through it and then guide you it would be great. I know um, we're, re- we're doing some stuff and that, yeah, this time we just hired our CPA and said, I'll just pay you. You do all the paperwork. You file everything. I'll sign whatever you need and just make sure it's all done right because I don't want to take the time. I have to read it and learn it myself, so... I want to go back a little bit. I'm not sure where it fits in the timeline, but I do remember you mentioning to us beforehand that you had to work two jobs at one point to get what you really wanted to do off the launch it. Can you talk a little bit about that? So when I was working at the salon and doing the lashes, that was when people were coming to my house at night. So what I would do is I would work, let's say it was, I think it was nine to five. And then I actually lived in Connecticut at that point. And they would come to my house in Danbury, Connecticut, which isn't far. It's like, you know, next state over. They would come over. So I would drive from Armonk, New York, drive to Danbury, Connecticut, which was like 45 minutes. And then someone would usually be waiting in the parking lot of my apartment complex. And then I would run with them. It was a nightmare. And then I would be like, Hey, hold on one second. I'd be like throwing my purse on the floor, opening up the portable bed. Everyone hates this portable bed. Mm -hmm. And then I would open it up and then I would start them. And then if my dog was there and like, we couldn't get him out of the house for it, it's so embarrassing. I used to put like peanut butter on like dog bones and stuff and throw them in the other room. So he would go and then I would do the last <laughs> at night and I would do them late. You know what? Again, it's saying yes. It's like finding a solution. The dog's in the house. Oh no, let's just give him some peanut butter. Let's figure <laughs> it out. What I want our listeners to hear, it's just like whenever a challenge comes up in your life, you're like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm just going to throw some peanut butter at it. (laughs) I'm going to do it. I'm going to say yes to this client, this opportunity right here. And it sounds like in every opportunity, you blossomed from it. So proud of you. 
Thanks. Does, yeah, I realize this whole conversation, you act like a mom. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you could like, be our I daughter. Think- <laughs> <laughs> our daughter is 22, so and our oldest oh. is 30, so you, you would be, you're yeah. in our kids' range. <laughs> Your dad must be so proud of you. Yeah, they really are. My parents are, like, very excited about what I'm doing and stuff, but it seems like it's not that long of time, but it feels like there were so many things that happened in between to lead up to this point. And now I, I left the salon suite in February and now I'm in a a big location. Let's talk about that. So what made you move from the salon suite? So I was really fine there for most of the time. And then my lease was going to be ending soon. And the, the issue I was having there towards the end was that it was very, very loud in there. First Mm. off, like my space was like a closet. So it was really loud around me. There was like a few little things. It was very hot in there. So I felt like sometimes the glue didn't work, right? And I just felt like I was charging a pretty high amount for that area I was in. I was definitely like my my work was worth it, but my environment wasn't anymore. And I felt like my clients were expecting something more luxury and I wasn't able to give that to them there. So I was originally going to a different area, like same close to where I am now, but... The landlord was a little weird. It was a build out and it was as it. So it was just a blank room that I would have mm-hmm. to build rooms in and I was going to do it. And then I realized, oh my God, I don't have however much money it is to yeah. get $20,000. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I did not have that. And I really, when I made the move, I didn't have too much because I had a bunch of issues that came up, health issues from this past November until January. I had a stomach ulcer that came out of nowhere Mm. and they couldn't figure out what it was. And I was sick for months at a time. And I'm not someone who calls out. I'm never late for clients. I'm not that person. And I was just telling people, I don't know when I'm coming back. Like it was that bad. Mm. So I fixed all that and I was fine, but I didn't really have any money put away at all. At that point, I just used it all. And I really just wanted to get a space that I could grow. I can hire people. I could expand my services and be at forever. I just wanted a forever home for the salon and not have to move around anymore. So when that other place didn't work out that I had looked at, I said, okay, well, I guess I'm stuck in the salon suite. Maybe that's fine. I'll just stay here. And then I looked online. There was this website. It was like all different rentals you can have. And I found this really big space that I'm in now. And it's expensive. It's double what I was paying or a little more than the salon suite. And I have to pay for electric and you know all these extra things and stuff that I didn't at the at the salon suite but I figured if I take the chance on this I can add so many more things and it would give my clients what they're looking for and it'll make it worth the money and maybe people will want to come more and I'll build up even more and that's what I did um in February I took this spot cool and you were able to hire your first staff right that's a lot too I yeah. guess people- it is <laughs> I did not stand how hard it was. Yeah. Yeah. So um, welcome let, to the call. Yes. Yeah. Hiring changes everything, right? Because all of a sudden you were your own boss. You can take care of yourself, but now you have to take care of someone else. And that's a whole thing. What was the most surprising thing, I guess, once you made that first hire? Um, two things. One, how much money it costs to pay someone on a payroll. Yeah. I think people think like, oh, you make all this money off of someone and you really don't because by the time you pay for their supplies, their unemployment tax, like the, um, you know, all these taxes. Extra taxes. Yeah. 
Yeah, that then you really don't see it much. No, mm. you, no. I don't. I don't see too much, but yeah. I know when it'll be worth it. So that's why it's fine. But the other thing that I struggle with, and I'm still learning how to, is I can be. I guess we'll say a little bit of a control freak with how I do things because mm. I like set up a certain way. I deal with my clients a certain way. I'm very, very reliable and on time. I'm always there like 30 minutes before. I don't run behind because my clients know me for that. Like they know that if they have to be somewhere in an hour, they're going to be out. Mm-hmm. So my thing that I'm kind of struggling with is how to not um, worry if things are different with someone else. So mm-hmm. like she takes longer than me or something happens. I feel like I just have to learn how to not micromanage things mm-hmm. and just let them go and they'll work itself out because I want everyone to have the same experience, but I also don't want to feel like, oh my God, I have to watch everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're in that you're learning. I mean, the yeah. thing about you I love is that you've shown enough times you'll figure it out as you go and some things won't be perfect in the beginning. You know, like you'll be throwing peanut butter, a, a bone in, in, a, in the living room, right? Just to yep. get by, right? You'll f- just do what it does to get by, but eventually you're going to work it out and you'll, you'll figure it out. There's, yeah. Cause there's a lot of stuff there to consider. Like we've never even talked about this time standards. I always think are very strong that most salons don't have them. Most salons just let everyone, everyone just does whatever they want. Problem is when you do different time standards, you could actually be losing money when they're doing the client. Cause if someone takes two hours and one takes an hour and a half or an hour and you charge the same price for all of them, the person who does it two hours is losing your money versus the one that does it for an hour, right? So you, there are needs for that. So I do want to encourage you. It's not bad to have standards. And actually, one of the things I tell people when you first hire, your job and when you become a leader is you're now, your job is to tell, just teach everyone what your standard is and hold everyone accountable to it. It's not so much controlling, but um, McDonald's um, did not build any chain. Actually, just look at any chain. There's no chain in the world that came into existence who just let things just free for all. Just do whatever you want. As long as it's good enough, we'll be fine. No, they always have training where they literally take the time to really make sure every team member learns how to do the service or the product or whatever at the, in the same way. And they make sure it's all the experience is all the same because that is your brand you're building. You want your name to be known for something. And if you're just saying, well, I don't want to be a control freak, and then just leave it up to employees or staff to kind of figure it out on their own or just to do the best they can. Long run, that you won't be able to grow your business. You'll find you're going to hit a ceiling quicker. But once you figure out your systems and you and how you want to train people and the standards you want to hold them to, then now you can replicate your team quicker and your team will be empowered. You'll find out actually team the right people, if you get the right people, not always the right people like this. Um, if there's someone just building a business in your business, they won't like it. But if someone who wants to work for you because they like you and they feel like you're a mentor and you're training them and you're equipping them, they'll work with you. They'll go with it. So um, that's, it's interesting. You're, you're, you're just in the beginning of baby stages. So you're going to find a lot of interesting, fun stuff along the way. And hopefully we'll be interested to see two, three years from now. Um, hopefully we'll hear from you and maybe have you back and share what you've learned through this whole process of hiring. Would she be ready for looking into strategies? Well, yeah. Funny thing is you're actually strategies is maybe an hour away. They're in, um, Connecticut. they're in Connecticut. Um, what's the big city in the middle? I'll say central center. Oh, whatever. Near Essex. I don't know if you know where Essex is a small town. I don't, but yeah, it's fine. Centerbrook. I think it's Centerbrook is in the middle of Connecticut, if I remember right. And then if you drive down towards the coast, Essex is down there. And they okay. have they have they're they're a coaching company and they help salons. You're 
It's probably too expensive for you right now. It'd be like $800 a month, and you'll have one employee. But down the road, you definitely want to you, look into team You can base. get a lot of free materials from them, from the, 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 the stuff that they offer. So you should just look at that stuff to get it in your brain. Um, yeah, I mean, the, just team base as you go into this. And I, I would, you know, maybe even now look into it because you may want to pivot sooner than later. Because truth is, once you get too far into it, if you do commission – only and i'm assuming your commission correct yeah yeah so commission when you're a commission There's and limits on commission as you grow well not only that i mean most people feel pressure to go to 50 percent commission rates and if you're 50 percent, you you can't actually make a profit you, you you literally will you will hire more and more people and you'll actually have to work more hours to pay the bills or take a lower and lower salary that's usually the way it works. I won't explain it here, all the math, but it's a weird dynamic that people keep thinking, oh, no, no, I'll have like eventually eight people work for me, and then then they'll finally make it. And they're like, actually, I have eight people work for me, and I have to work 100 hours doing clients just to pay the bills. Or a lot of salon owners go, well, I just cut my salary. I, I make about $40,000. And my, they're like, what's your staff make? Oh, they make 60, 70. And you're like, wait, you're the owner and you're making less than your staff? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's a little weird, but it's just what I have to do. And it all comes down to the way you set up your company and the financials. And it's not that you can't make good money working, um, you know, with strategies. You can. We, we had employees making anywhere from eighty to over $100,000. Uh, at the same time, you, you, there's a little bit more predictability because they give you systems to help you manage your cash flow and know it. So, anyhow, I would, if you haven't looked into it, I would Check definitely out strategies. I would look yeah. into them. You're early enough in the game that you if you decide know. to change, you can make that change more easily than when you have a staff of 15 and you're pulling your hair out and you finally make that change. It's really, it, can it would be, be really good to difficult. start out knowing the right stuff. Yeah. Um, Let's yeah wow that's fifty minutes oh my by. gosh it's, it's just gonna flown by yeah let's let's just maybe go back to one or two more questions here and um if you were to start over again and do this um, maybe what's one thing you wish you knew before you got started that maybe would you know change your direction a little bit or change how you would have made some of the things decisions you made now I think I wouldn't have like I would have looked into all of these things more like about paying people and getting the accountant and all those things. Like I said, I would have looked into that a little bit more first. So I didn't spend so much money in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I probably would have done is I was trying to make that salon suite look so nice since it was so small. And I spent a fortune on things like, you know, decorative things. And I probably didn't need to do that. Yeah. I could have gotten cheaper things. I could have went that route, but I just wanted it to look so good. Yeah. yeah. So I would have told myself that I would be fine. I would make it because when I left the salon that I was really comfortable at and had a lot of clients, that was like the most stressful time ever. I was just so nervous that people didn't want to come to me, that they just wanted to be there. So I would have told, you know, I wish I could have told myself that I would have been fine. Yeah, no, that's great. Now I'm glad. Yeah, we need that assurance that we'll get through it. And and I think if you have the attitude like you have, which is I, I'll just figure it out. I'll just say yes. I'll just show up. I'll just work. I'll work harder to figure it out. I've always said I'll just work harder if I have to. I mean, in, in pinch when things are going crazy, while working smarter is always the goal. Sometimes you just when you're not knowing everything, you just have to work harder and be willing to show up and just do the work. And then eventually, you know, the path will clear. It's uh, become clear as you get through that journey. As, as, you, as you make mistakes and you do things that don't work, you're like, oh, now I kind of know what I should have done. I should have hired a CPA to start with. But, you know, at least, you know, you got going. <laughs>
Um, one, oh, one other thing too, I, I, I want to point out, cause I remember, um, there's a show called Tabitha takes over. It's been off the air for a long time, but hopefully if you're a hairstylist, you probably watch this show. And I just remember, um, this one episode where someone wanted to do an upgrade they want to fix their salon up. And they, so they spent all this money making it spare, oh. no expense, spare, no expense. And they, they had the nicest salon. It was actually here in Southern California. And they basically went out of business cause they spent so much money on making it nice that they had no money in the bank to pay the bills, to pay the salaries, to pay that because they had the most expensive, most elite, most beautiful salon, but they couldn't afford it and eventually had to close the business, which obviously sounds like you, you didn't go that route, but you did spend a little bit more than you probably realized yep. to make it really the, nice. The most um, important thing that was worth the money though, is the plush and oak bed. Oh, oh any, yes. That they're oh it's too expensive they have to buy it <laughs> Put tell it on me card. why you love it i love it and all of my clients even i just had a, a lady who's she's a little bit older maybe she's in her late 70s and she said to me when she got up she's like i feel so much better when i lay on this oh wow. so wow. like so i think honestly i think it's worth the money but all the other things are not you don't need all the fancy stuff <laughs> yeah i mean the beginning when you're starting just just you know as long as it looks nice doesn't have to be expensive doesn't have to be brand specific or anything it just has to be functional and get the job done tess is the queen of discounts i mean she built her whole salon <laughs> i think off of daiso yeah the dollar store <laughs> yeah so it's all good so anyhow we can keep going on but i think we should wrap up at this point and uh, i just sam i just want to say thank you so so much for taking some time today. Where can people find you if they wanted to look you up and see you on Instagram? So on my Instagram, it's Lashing Out Beauty Studio. And if they want to go on my website where I have a lot of information too, it's lashingoutbeautystudio.com. All right. Awesome. Well, hopefully go check them out, follow her and uh, DM her or whatever and say hi. And uh, hopefully... I- yeah. I do want to just give a shout out. I think that you should probably apply for one of the Lashy Awards. Every year at LashCon, we do these Lashy Awards. Oh, yeah. do, fantastic. All right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll be announcing the, actually, we'll do a plug now. It's right now, it's June. And I think this episode is coming out in a week or two. So yeah, we'll be announcing uh, the Lashy Awards should hopefully be out by July. And uh, people can start signing up and applying and um, and it's basically any salon or wear solo or if you work and have a staff or like that, there's um there's a place for you. So it'll be a chance for you to be recognized and then come to LashCon and, and get your award. It's really fun. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, Sam. You've been awesome. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day and all that. And it's been really special. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be on. All right, guys, that's it. We are done. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Pop Tessany, as well as our special guest, Sam, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.